everyone, back to another episode of our podcast called Coffee Breakdown. And just to remind you, the objective of this podcast is really to shed light on the more human side of science and the more creative aspects of science, including communication and uh, other things that are sort of behind the scenes. So keep in mind, it is a learning process. Uh, all of us are here are to learn, including the speakers that we have with us today. Uh, the guest is Tobias and Ekaterina, who are joining us as part uh, from the Fusion EP Talks channel. Um, now, I've known Katerina since uh, Katya, I will call you Katya, from uh, our master's program, where we studied together in France for about a year. Um, Tobias, unfortunately, I've just had the pleasure to meet you at this, uh, right before this uh, recording. So um, I'm looking forward to getting to know you over the course of this conversation. And so welcome to the podcast first. And uh, I want to start off with more general question of like, what is this EP Talks channel that you've put together and sort of what is the motivation of why you, why you put it together in the first place? So I guess we'll start with Tobias. Yeah, thank you Ron for well, inviting us here to this channel and well, welcome as well. Um, well, what is Fusion EP Talks? It actually like was grown, grown out of from Fusion EP, like the master, excellent master program we had. And it first started, um, well, three years ago, 2018, in the end of 2018. And another, well, member of Fusion EP, the master program, Alexis, um, started it like with the original intention, which is still like keep, like it's, it's really in the, in the original till now to, well, to keep the network of students first together, like from the Fusion EP master program, but as well as, as you really introduct in your mentioned introduction, really nice to, well, to offer a platform to learn and to practice, like to give presentation, to, to learn something new. And well, just to, to offer this, this opportunity to, to well, master students, PhD students and everybody around. Okay. Well, yeah. So that's, that's, that's interesting, though, that you mentioned this. So great that it came out of the master program, actually. I didn't realize it was set up to, to particularly keep everyone in touch. I, I know Katya invited me to give a talk, at, like when you guys were starting or, or when she started, at, at least with the group. Um, so that was, that was interesting, but I, I didn't realize the, the objective was to keep everyone together. <laughs> um, but that, that's also nice. Um, so then I have, unfortunately, only kept up partially with all of the presentations that you put together. It is mostly students, or is it also like professors and, and uh, senior scientists as well? But indeed, as Tobias said, it started as a um, project mostly for graduates of Fusionity program, but now it grows and it extended a lot. So um, I would say most of our speakers are from uh, other programs, our uh, PhD students from all over the world. Uh, but indeed, we try to uh, keep a Fusionity program community and we try to invite its graduates. Uh, and in addition to this, uh, we started a special set of um, talks uh, that are called master classes, where we invite experienced scientists with, let's say, more than 15 years of experience in fusion plasmas. 
So these are special occasions. Um, but I think uh, we both have this platform for younger scientists to share their research and to practice and also to learn from more experienced scientists. So we try to include different generations of people with different backgrounds um, and also people uh, who would probably not meet during the normal conference because not everybody attends them due to various reasons like lack of time or uh, it requires some expenses. And also for younger researchers, it requires to present your own work and probably in the beginning of your PhD or even your during your master's, you don't have it yet. So they can join as well. So now it's, it started from Fusion EP master program, but now these are various people with uh, really different backgrounds. Wow, that's interesting. So then it's more of, as you said, like a platform for educating or in, in the sense, giving the students a platform to try and present. So I guess the question for me is, well, how, what type of presentations do, do you see? Are they typically of, of very high polished quality, even from the students? Or is it really, um, you can tell that some, some people have uh, difficulties in communicating what they're trying to, what they're working on? Uh, how does the platform actually help them in, in that way? That's a really good question. Like, um, it's, I think it's in communication, like, I. I take a pretty part it's always interesting like who do you want to reach like who's your audience and we have a really broad audience actually like mostly we have most students phd students but also like scientists and really to communicate your science your key points to them it varies like depending on like what do you want to reach and well of course you see different um well success in bringing the message over to to the audience uh, it can be like first, like you can, your English or like your native language is not English, then you have like this, this kind of thing you can learn. Also, you are like how you present your, your, how you structure presentation, how you build up your, your slides. Uh, we do in the end, like collect a survey from the audience. And also like from our point, we occasionally like drop in some like hints, but we think what, what, what was good, what could be improved. Um, but yes, that's that's we see difference for sure, mm -hmm. and I think also it's, it depends. Like some we see it in the in the survey, let's say that way. Some truly really like enjoy one kind of presentation. Let's say that way, really like to data to be, to face to to results, and the other just like to well to tip another point. They never hear it or they hear it of it, but they don't like get into it. So it's the first time the first contact about this part of fusion or like. Or plasma physics in the more general way so it's that's from the to observe that's from the audience perspective like they've never heard the material before or you mean it, it, even the presenter sometimes there are certain things they never um fully presented or or fully looked well, into both. well oh, both okay. so you get like this kind of question from the audience you well, sometimes you didn't look at it from that perspective you know the answer but it's just like yeah it's not a night interesting angle of, of viewing it that way. But also we have like really also, our audience is not all into fusion science. Like some are like first, maybe students who want to 
get into touch with, with physics in general, or some people are just like from magnetics or whatever around. So they don't have this whole picture of fusion, what well, we studied in our masters, for example. I guess that's like an added advantage of, of your platform is that you can cross all the different disciplines inside fusion. Because it's, I mean, we all study under the banner of fusion, but it's, we, we, we know it's quite diverse and, and wide of a field. So that that is nice to have that. I think sometimes it's very easy to fall into your, your bubble, like your little world of, of very specific physics um, that, uh, and then you don't get any interaction or any input from other people. So that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely helps to see things from a different angle um, uh, in terms of feedback as well. Okay, and now you mentioned, of course, yeah, the English issue is, is always, so English is the language of science nowadays in, in these modern times, but it's true that that is a large communication barrier for, for some people. Um, so the question, like for me, I try not to let the English get, in, like the skill in English get in the way of the content. But I, I suppose some people may have difficulties um, doing that, let's say, because I have a bit of an advantage being a native English speaker. So is that, is there any, is there any tips that is not like aside from, you know, taking language classes and stuff like that, that you can give to improve, like for people who are um, not, not, not very proficient, but that they can easily do to get their point across a bit better? I, I think that attending various conferences and uh, events uh, such as uh, talks at our platform, they could help. Uh, so direct communication also with native speakers helps a lot uh, to improve your own skills. And I think uh, at online platforms or at some informal um, communication uh, without too much pressure, it works a bit easier. It doesn't mean that you have to go straight to a one hour long talk. But for instance, if you have huge problems with English and at the end of some presentation, we will just ask a couple of questions that that will be a tiny bit of help and it will improve uh, later on. And hopefully you will get <laughs> better soon. Well, that's true. Practice does does make perfect in, in most like cases. Step by step. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to add one thing to that, like which I realized myself, like that's something I learned myself, and I try to practice it every time, and sometimes forget it. It's like just to be slow. I usually, and I hear it from many people, they want to try to give all the information they have. They forget their English, well, knowledge kind of how they speak. And or they like not really sure about their, their language. And so they try to be like really accurate in what they're saying. Mm. But if you take your time to think and to pause, it also helps the audience to, to guess what you're saying. And if you're really not that clear in articulating or you forget the vocabulary, they can they have time to think about what you mean and they can translate it for themselves, let's say that way. So that's maybe one advice I like to give people who are struggling with English, in, like in general, like with a foreign language. Hmm. 
No, I think that's very good advice. I think even even people who speak English natively can benefit from such advice. <laughs> speak slower and people will understand you, right? <laughs> um, but but it, it's true. It's good. Um, I, one thing that is sort of like um, I found is a as a benefit during presentations is also to have like on your slides uh, some keyboards, not like giant blocks of text, but some keywords or, or key figures that kind of remind you what you wanted to say in each uh, in each point. But um, do you do you find often that the students or even professors that come and present on your platform um, use the slides in the, that manner or, or are they used in different ways? I think in general, uh, it goes quite well so far. Uh, I've seen many high quality presentations uh, where slides really supported the presentation. They were not overloaded by text. They were not the empty. They were really engaging. Uh, so I'm very happy to see uh, what our speakers provide us. Uh, and I think that's another advantage for younger students to uh, attend uh such presentations to see how it can work and uh, what tips they can get to improve their own presentation skills that's true and that's also like one big advantage we're using we're putting our talks like if their speaker allows and like if the rights goes on youtube so not all them can join them and later you have also the opportunity like if you have a similar topic you can look into it and see how they did it and what you like and what you don't like and adapt it and that's good that you mentioned, Ashley, because like in the beginning, we started like before Corona with like Zoom webinars, mm -hmm. which was not quite familiar at this time. But you could really see like um, they were using all the technology they had, like of this web platform. You, for example, if you present, you can like have your own slides or notes down, for example, in presentation mode, mm -hmm. where you can add stuff for yourself, which is a, like a good advice if you, if you, if you do it. And you can also see like how to use images or visuals to improve what you say. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Like I'm always impressed by some people's like way of using slides. I think I, I recently saw a talk, but unfortunately not on your channel, but on a different seminar where a guy was doing an evaluation of different methods. And then he, he made like, like, you know, like an RPG kind of like items with different stats and then like each method had like different stats so it was like a really clever way to show your information in a way that your audience who was other students would be like very you know pay keen about paying attention to because they're just like ah oh, that's really clever right so, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> have you have you guys seen any like like notable examples uh, over your many uh, presentations of like a good a good way of doing uh, presentations. It's hard to remember right away, but I think uh, some animations help, and uh, some some pictures and even short videos of uh, of the experiment, if that is available and applicable. I think that uh, usually uh, attracts more audience more, and it helps explaining your topic. Yes, indeed. It's like not we we did don't have like this kind of example. Or I don't remember it at least because we had like 
almost 100 sharks, I guess, right now. So we don't have this average like example you had, which is really like a nice idea of, of putting it together. But usually what I remember like is really because I like it person and it's my time of type of learning. Like if you have visuals, like for example, it's not a good but a wave or like something you try to to connect with images like what you're going to say that's something i usually notice and i really like and encourage to do it more um because it helps me for at least to remember stuff and to as to link the knowledge yeah. but what katia says is also very very interesting like with the the videos i i've known they're sort of or if, in my experience they're sort of hit or miss there's always the issue with tech, technology, technical, you know, the videos don't play or it's not the right viewer or it's not the right, who knows. <laughs> so, but that aside, even then, like some, some videos are, are, I find also sometimes can be distracting uh, away from what the view, the speaker is trying to say. Do you find that there's a, like a balance there or, or are most videos like acceptable or, or well done, let's say? Uh, of course, it's better to find a balance there. And I would say personally, uh, if there is a video, it should be really short and it should, it should show the most important part of uh, your experiment or whatever you do. So it, it shouldn't overload your presentation, of course. But as a supportive tool, uh, I think it's helpful. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I think if you if you like zoom in on a particular part or you 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 tell everybody this is what we're focusing on, the rest is just you know fluff. But uh, or at least for this purposes, fluff. Um, then then that that helps a lot. That's true. Okay. And of course, indeed, uh, you should check uh, if it actually works. But in case of our platform, uh, we usually meet with the speaker half an hour before the presentation. And some might think that uh, why half an hour? Uh, it's too long. Mm. Uh, but in fact, it's exactly the right time to check whether things like videos and uh, animations, animations are properly working. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess it gives them a bit of extra time if they need to fix it, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's worse to know that it doesn't work, but then have to present immediately anyway, right? Like, exactly, oh. exactly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, it, okay, then, like, I guess, aside from from the the channel, the the, the platform, I guess, what are your interests in science communication? Like, why why did you join to to put together this platform? Really, is was it just for the community, or do you have some sort of like personal goal or 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 thing you want to improve in the community? For me, it's a number of things. Uh, well, of course, I'm happy to contribute for the community to grow and for uh, students to, um, to have uh, such presentations available. Uh, but uh, from personal side, uh, it helped me a lot to learn how to coordinate my work, how to work in a team, uh, how to speak publicly as well, how to present my work because I was a speaker before and then Alexi uh, invited me to join the team and uh, I've seen a lot how it's challenging to 
uh, promote your research and to attract people to make um, the audience grow. Uh, so it's various things that actually help me later on in my own research. Exactly. And like, well, I don't have so much to add because well, Katya already told the main points. And it's really interesting because every team member we, we made like, okay, like what, why are you joining? Like, what is your, what do you try to gain? Or what do you think you can then bring into or what we want to learn? And usually it really around these, these topics Katya mentioned. So for me, it was also like, okay, I, well, I know the knowledge is only as good as you can, like, as people know it. Like if you have the biggest knowledge and nobody knows it, that, that really that's not knowledge used. So it's really important to transport it and also to, to work in a team to be like more, well, usually fusion is like around the world, actually, like I think almost every science is around the world. So mm -hmm. you really need to, to work on your keep in contact, how to communicate to different cultures, different time zones. It's like a really small playground, this, this platform on the background, and you can try or you can look on what kind of skill you want to improve and you can just, you find everything in there and you can try to, to work on that one. So sometimes I, I myself notice, okay, well, I need to work now on communication or now I need to bring a structure in there or like whatever, there are like so many, different kinds you can really improve it and of course this helps you in your research in your daily life as well it's yeah it's really universal and i really like it yeah i think that that's you bring up a good point that a lot of these skills are are just say transferable to your own research and your own let's say scientific career as well in terms of how to advertise how to reach an audience how to you know build um, a community in some ways, right, um, and work with others. Now, I, that is something I think that is really sort of not well taught, I would say, <laughs> in, in, in scientific education, right? Like, we're very good at technical stuff, but uh, not so much on, on these other aspects, which are just as crucial, if not sometimes more crucial, right? Like, knowing the science, people sort of well, they do, they don't assume you do, but like you know, like most people are sort of like, okay, you you're you're a scientist, so you must know something, right? But it, if you can't say it, if you can't tell anybody, then they they start to question you, right? So, um, I think that that's very important. I guess from my perspective, like which because of in starting this podcast as well, there were a number of things that I, I just didn't know were gonna be part of, you know, doing this sort of effort. So in that aspect, did you did you come across any like interesting challenges in getting your, your platform set up or, or doing the advertisement or, or getting speakers or something like that? Well, of course there are a number of technical challenges and uh, I know our team is doing, media team is doing a great job on processing videos and I'm sure they've learned a lot about that. 
from a side of hosting team. I think even how to use Zoom, which is now common during pandemic times. But in the beginning, we were struggling a bit with the settings and what uh, options it offers. And uh, once we had to face Zoom bombing, unfortunately, and that was quite an experience. And after that, we learned a lot about Zoom safety and how to make sure it never happens again. Okay, so what, 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 is like this? what is this? I have never heard this term before. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> well, um, in the previous day, you don't, didn't have like this rating Zoom future, so you could just join a Zoom talk. And then some people had the option to well to hijack the camera, to hijack the other cameras, to hijack the name, and they used it. Well, in our case, for um, well, adult stuff, say that way. And it's <laughs> well, honestly, I did. I never saw the point why doing that, but some people enjoyed. Maybe I don't know. Well, it's, I mean that must have been terrible for the presenter and everyone else. But it like... was for everyone was terrible because nobody was like knowing what was happening and. Well, we managed quite well, but yeah. it was quite a quite a memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking back, I guess you know you could laugh at it a bit. <laughs> it's good to laugh at. It, it was not bit. that fun at the moment, no, but at like... least now now we've learned how to deal with it. So, is it just like increased security on Zoom, or is there? like mostly also having a waiting room or, and disabling people to uh, turn off their camera or microphone during the presentation so there is a number of strict rules that you can apply to make sure that only you and uh, the speaker uh, can share the screen and uh, speak and at the end, as you know, we have question and answer session. And during that time, uh, the host manages uh, questions and only the host can unmute uh, people. So that, that helps, I would say. Okay. I've never heard that term. I was, I was shocked with Zoom, Zoom, <laughs> Zoom bombing. I was just like, what does that mean? <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess well. at a point we get off of like Zoom and left like a live webinar, they're mm -hmm. like, lot of things you didn't have first in mind which could happen like especially like we were growing community mm -hmm. but not that big that we have guessed it would have happened to be honest well yeah I thinking I like okay maybe in two three years we can think about it but not right now yeah that's true but i guess it may have been better if it happened when it was still a smaller thing when not so many Absolutely. people were exposed to it <laughs> <Say. Absolutely. laughs> Oh, there was another interesting yeah. case yeah. I can recall, uh, but it's it's a bit political. But we have uh, uh, this uh, poll asking where people come from, and we had a list of countries. And of course, uh, in some regions, it's very difficult question. And it turned out that some region was not listed very correctly let's say and some people were uh, not happy about it so that was also something we haven't thought about because we downloaded the list i don't remember from wikipedia or from somewhere so we haven't taken this into account right i think i have heard of other youtube like like i follow other youtubers just uh on my own time kind of thing but like they've had similar issues where they did sort of a poll and then yeah it was a bit got a bit political unnecessarily because like they didn't know 
uh, or, or didn't realize that say they just sort of take a screenshot and post it and then you know next thing you know so so you guys also ran into that issue and without getting into names of, of anything but like you also ran into that issue geez okay i didn't realize <laughs> yeah that's not something right? you expect it was not intentional of course it's mm -hmm. just happened we figured that <laughs> that's tough yeah how, so how, how do you how do you deal with that do you just sort of like unpost or or is it more complicated uh we i think now we tend to ask people from which area of the world they are or from which region they are so we don't say exactly which country it is mm. we try to take off the political just like just like fact geographically like to say okay which geographic part to try to really con around all this political stuff which yeah. could be well yes <laughs> that's, that's that's yeah it's difficult it's a difficult problem okay wow I, I mean in some aspects that's also educational right because yeah different parts of the world have different concerns that maybe you know in in, in europe or i guess like most of us are uh is is not truly doesn't have the same type of concerns let's say um at least not to that extent so yeah, it's it's a, it's an educational exercise. Also, <laughs> you learn. Right? True. Like, learn. when you mention like regional differences, I really that's something I really like value in, in our like well community as well, but also like which reflects in our like team members. Say that way. Like, uh, it's really great uh, that we have a very international team, and that's part that we enjoy a lot. Uh, that we bring together different cultures, and mm -hmm. we learn a lot about what's what's important and what to pay attention to in different regions so it's also part of the experience and part of the learning process for us yeah that's true and it's it's also interesting to at least i found um going to conferences you know, global or international conferences around the world for my fusion work that different regions of the world also think of problems think about problems in a different way so just discussing the actual technical problem with them also is is like as communication um, differences aside, the technical problems also they have a different uh, point of view on, and sometimes that's very very enlightening to have that discussion with them. Um, do you do you find that in your channel also that the different presenters that come from international internationally? Uh, present things in different ways or have different emphasis or different ways of communicating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you know some like interesting things that uh, popped up? Well, like the most, in my, my, from my point of view, like the most interesting part was like, if you have like, for example, like a, a Spanish speaking person, they're usually like really like to play around with words and to analogies and like everything they try to use their language very well and mm -hmm. don't focus so much on the presentation itself while if you go more like to i i can't pinpoint like one specific country right now but like you can see really different like some some presenters are really focusing on like having really well designed or well done and presentation and they don't focus on so much what they are saying they try to let the presentation itself speak so that's sometimes a really interesting um well way of of um facing the problem to present your work 
yeah, I think that's that is always valuable to get these different points of view or also presentation skills and, and focuses, right? You can always take a little bit here and there and try to improve your own um, way of doing things based off of what they what they present to you. Now, exactly. yeah, exactly. And I think that that's extremely valuable. Now, I guess one thing that I am interested in is sort of like the feedback you get from the people who come to present or, or come to view your, your presentations. Um, do you, is there a lot of feedback or like, have you got some interesting feedback that any notable examples of, of things that, you know, was sort of like, oh, oh yeah, that, that is a thing, right? Like <laughs> we should pay attention about that, right? So. I think, well, we try to improve that part by doing polls at the end of the presentation. And occasionally we do uh, uh, get some comments uh, how to improve, although most of the time we focus on what time fits the most for our audience, because it's a very tricky question for us, taking into account different time zones. Um, we try to uh, We try to make it best for all people in our audience, but unfortunately, of course, some of them will have to watch it uh, on YouTube channel because it's impossible to match the time zones. Um, apart from that, I think duration of the presentation was also important feedback. Uh, now we have limit of about 20, 30 minutes. I think before we didn't have limit at all and occasionally it was taken a bit too long and I could see that about maybe after half an hour, we were losing people from the audience, unfortunately. So it was also something to learn. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good point. Uh, so this is actually funny because my, so I, I have this channel co-hosted with another colleague of mine, his name is Luca. Um, we were having discussions before and he was just like, we should really cut down to half an hour. And I'm just like, <laughs> but we, like sometimes I find in the conversation like this, it takes half an hour to hit a point where we're actually comfortable talking to each other. And then we can have a real conversation, but that's after half an hour, right? So um, it is interesting, like the attention span of someone who's viewing versus attention span of somebody who's you know actively participating is also different. And, and it's, it's true that, so you found that half an hour sort of is the line for, for your for Yes, your viewers. Well, we can we can separate maybe because like if you have these master classes, then we really go like on more time, like one hour, one half an hour, because mm -hmm. then you have like this kind of strict lecture structure. You found the foundation and then you really like step up onto the points itself. So I feel it depends like what kind of um, message you want to transport. Like if people know it's going to be a lecture, they expect more knowledge and they invest more time into it. That's what well, I try to learn from the audience. Hmm. And if you have like just like a talk, people will go into much detail if you give them too much time. And this detail for most of audience, which we are having right now, is not really that valuable or not at that point valuable. Mm -hmm. So it really is, well, the, what you can say it, how is it? The golden cutter, I don't know, like it's yeah, these 20 minutes, half an hour. You can find this time in your daily life mm -hmm. because, like, if you have longer time and a scientist or whatever you do, it's like really hard to squeeze it in. 
and we don't have like a podcast where you can just listen doing like cooking or whatever in our format usually you try to follow the line of thought and which is underlined with the presentation so you really like engulfed fully into the presentation when a podcast and i consume it myself i do cooking i cleaning i do do sports around so it's pretty easy and i don't feel like this time constraint is really there i like it's a different you know yeah that's that, I, I get i get it i get it and uh, to be fair that is the the you know advised way of listening to this for those who are listening it's really to you know have it in the background while you're while you're doing other things that uh, don't do not require like your full mental focus um it's really the the best way that to have to ingest these long form conversations but i think that also the extended time gives us a you know more more substance in terms of we can dig a bit deeper into you know topics that are of interest let's say to to True. to all of us yeah okay uh, absolutely i think it's just all about different forms of media and different forms of of uh how to get the message out there that's that's true so did you have you in your experience found that you know maybe a, a student or someone has really improved their their presentation skills over time do you follow up with uh, your presenters since that, that aspect I think we have uh, some presenters who come back to us after a couple of years. It's not very often case, uh, but uh, they usually have quite a lot of experience already. So from the beginning, uh, they were experienced speakers uh, and both of the presentations went really well, I think. But it's indeed, it would be interesting to see the progress and to invite more people uh, from the talks uh, in the beginning of our platform. And yeah. I want to add to that. Well, usually in the beginning, for sure, we have known the people like in person or like seen them before presenting. And sometimes you could notice that they impl implemented advices you have given them before or they, they heard before from feedback. And that's really nice to see, like, sometimes you're, like, really happy for them because they really got the point there. But, like, in a general, like, in a broad perspective and with the audience, we, as Katy already said, yes. Yeah, I guess, I guess it is, it is hard to, to keep up with it, with all the different people that come onto your channel. So, but it, it would be interesting to know if there is some, you know, effective form of, of, you know, helping the speakers improve. Uh, but of course, yeah, maybe that's just being idealistic <laughs> on my part. <laughs> uh, so, okay, all right. I mean, like, in, in that sense, though, do you, do you feel that the, the, the channel that you've put together is, is achieving the goals that you're, you're, you put forward for it? Not just your own personal goals, but also the, the community, let's say, larger community goals. Well, in this, for this question, I like to look on the numbers say that way and of course we have seen we have grown really big since we started and we get also like not only like on the youtube channel or facebook fans or whatever but also like on the attendees during the talk itself they have grown constantly so taking this as a yes okay we, yeah <laughs> what's your what's um, your like average viewership size like like per presentation average I think we have 10 to 15 attendees uh, at uh, 
at the presentation itself. Uh, but there is also a number of people who watch uh, who watch it on YouTube later. That's a so big it, thing. it can be, it can be larger, and we also broadcast it on uh, Facebook. So the number is a bit higher than uh, the actual numbers that you see on Zoom. Absolutely, yeah. And in master classes, usually we have like through thirty through one hundred sometimes. So it really you really see like there there's a difference, and like there's really people like it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about numbers, as uh, Tobias has mentioned, uh, I wanted to mention that, again, it started as a group of friends in a way. Uh, and uh, most of attendees, they were people whom we would know. But now I noticed that, for instance, some professor from Argentina join us, uh, or some people I hear about them for the first time, or on the other hand, some famous more well-known scientists uh, join us. And also how our Facebook community is growing. Like now we have about 500 uh, followers uh, and likes. So I, I see that it's not, it's not only Fusion EP program graduates anymore, but indeed people start to repost our events and some other scientific channels share our events. I'm happy to see that. And that's, that must be really nice that it starts to grow to the point where, where people are recommending you. And uh, have you had instances where, where people would come to you and ask, like, oh, I would like to present, like, rather than you have to continually do outreach to get presenters? Has this happened yet? Correct me if I'm wrong, Katya, but I think it did happen, yes. Uh, yes, I think it happened a couple of times. People yeah. contacted us on Facebook and asked to give a talk, and it went really great after all. Yeah, that must be really nice. You know, <laughs> it's rewarding. You know, that the the channel is getting out there enough that there there are people interested in you know giving a talk just without you asking them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, and then like sort of like the 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 future, I guess, of your of your platform where do you where do you see this going uh what do you uh think it could it could do if there was enough time and enough uh, interest that's a really good question like first i think many people don't see like the kind of work which is like behind just well just having this channel like we have um nine members in the background who are like working constantly to well the media team like we mentioned already who's like processing the files we downloaded to make them nicer for youtube ready and posting the post like pre preparing everything finding new speakers like there's so many going in the behind so you really underestimate in the beginning how much work it is in the end just to have like this one presentation every week mm -hmm. so this is something um, which is really nice that we can keep it going and we can more provide it like really regularly and not really occasionally so one presentation a week is, is quite a lot, you know, I mean, our field is not super small, but also not that large, right? Like this. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Exactly. That's like yeah. the kind of work you need. Well, we're trying to provide to have like really constant input of information and to connect people there. So in and terms of like, yeah, the, the long future, term. Yeah. The long term. Well, of course, like more people attending more people is always better. And because then we can see like what is the audience actually like what do we want to have? 
this is like our our first well point of view right now we also new goal for 2022 to see like what service do they really want to us to provide so we don't have like this goal to say like 1 million okay it would be nice to have 1 million people or subscribers. <laughs> oh, that, of course <laughs> of course of course but yeah. it's not that we say we do it for the numbers you know right, it's just yeah, like yeah. we want to see like what kind of knowledge do they want to have do they want to have maybe we were also thinking about communication as well if we make a mini series like about like how to make a presentation or like what what can you how to do that a zoom call or what whatever like these different things Hmm. um we were thinking about but we didn't have the time or the manpower right now to implement it or even first to ask like what would you like us to or would you like to see mm -hmm. yeah actually in in that sense one thing that i am very of course interested in is scientific communication in general and like given all the recordings and and presentations that you have or done already sort of like a compilation of the best lessons or of it or you know like prime examples of what is a good presentation and what is a good method maybe not the whole presentation but this particular thing was like really excellent um you know stuff like that that could be it could be done of course like i'm not asking you to do it but like it, i could see that being valuable right so it's true that uh, you do have a, quite a lot of information at your disposal already, let's say. Yeah. But also like you, well, what the next challenge we are facing right now is like how to trend. Okay, well, people are like, we are getting older. We had like our, our Fusion EP master degree was like a couple of years ago. Mm. So how to transfer the knowledge we have and like the experience we have like doing this channel to the, it's a young generation. Like how to do it, how to do it properly, that it keeps the machine going. You know, this mm. is also like something you, well, I didn't think of at first that it would be like a problem. I was thinking, okay, well, it somehow happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, you, you, you joined because you thought it was a good uh, method or a good way to improve your personal skills. But also at some point, you know, like it, it's nice to transfer that to another, uh, give another student or someone who's interested a chance right yes now we have uh, people in the team who just started their masters or they're about to start it because of the pandemic uh, their first year was delayed uh, so it's indeed younger generation and uh, we would like to have our team let's say self-sustainable and, and to be able to work independently and continue this uh, even when uh, people who started uh, the platform will not have that much time to manage it. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I didn't realize you guys had uh, such a large team. Like I knew there were some people who must be working on the videos and stuff, but like not, not that many. So I, I'm also then curious how you guys do your, like, you know, like your group gatherings or how do you organize the work? <laughs> Is it like all Zoom or is it only half the people could attend every time because everybody's kind of everywhere? How does this work? <laughs> well, you mentioned it pretty well, actually. Like, like in the beginning, it was everybody known each other personally. So it was like easier barrier and easier to manage. And like if you have three, four people, it's easy to find a Zoom meeting. But to manage time of like almost 10 people together, different time zones and everything around, like they have holidays, they have like a project to finish. It's quite hard. Like we are trying different modi 
and we are still like find, trying to find what is the best modi aberranti like to what which was going to work best mm -hmm. but yes zoom is definitely a, a useful tool for us okay. in that way and it, is it mostly just scheduling everybody's time so that everybody's free at the same time or is it also like other constraints that prevent people from let's say meeting mm, what, what do you mean by that like usually well, some, sometimes it's, it's more like, you know, if they don't have uh, adequate, what do you call it? Not resources, but like, you know, like, you know, a good internet connection or, or a laptop that is, has a camera or something like that, right? Like, is, is that the issue sometimes or is it mostly just they don't have the time in their schedule? Well, mostly it's time. time. Okay. Mostly time. Well, sometimes you have like a broken camera or like your microphone is broken. Well, that happens, but it's not the reason or not the main, main cause. Okay, fair enough. And and like getting everybody together is 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 one thing, but also with such a large group, it's it's hard to maybe keep keep focus in some ways, right? Do you find that or no? Everybody's quite well oriented and they they know what they're doing and what they have to do. I I think now we try to structure it in a way that we have several groups doing different tasks, like we have hosting team, uh, media team, grinding team, and uh, each team has their own meetings, smaller ones, so it's easier to manage, and they discuss things that are probably not that interesting for others, like I'm not personally very interested in video processing stuff, and I don't want to spend couple of hours discussing that uh, and vice and vice and vice versa no offense. <laughs> so what is what is your 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 uh say task or or the point of interest for you then yeah so I, i'm in the hosting team so well, you're on the hosting team okay <laughs> so you're more like the interface with all the other uh with all the other speakers and stuff like this yeah, I, I'm the person who's seen, but we have a great team uh, to work with uh, media and uh, social networks, and they're, they're doing a really great job, and it's a really challenging one, and I, I have no idea how, how they manage, I wouldn't be able to do that. Um, but I think this structure with smaller groups, it helps to keep it going, and to make meetings shorter and more... Um, more fruitful let's say it's really like a mini business <laughs> you know <laughs> you've got like your different departments and they all do different things that's crazy i didn't realize like i really didn't realize how big it has grown <laughs> well it, i think it none of like... us realized that it will happen that way <laughs> yeah. yeah nobody did and actually like it's was born out of not because like you have to see pop structure, but like some people have interests different interests and also want to try different skills and that's the really great thing in the team like you find everybody has like some special kind of skills and they can apply it on their way and they really enjoy doing it and in the beginning there was like this part where everybody has to do something they didn't like that much mm -hmm. but i i feel right now we came to the point where everybody's like just doing what they really would like to do or to contribute and yeah okay yeah that's that's super cool i i yeah just did not realize it was so big. I mean, when I think when I first joined uh, or first did, when Katya asked me to give my my presentation, I, it was how many people was there then at that point, Katya? It was like 
it was you and Alexis, and that's all I knew. Uh, I think back at that time, we had maybe five people on the team. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, okay. it, it was smaller, but it's still, uh, it, it was still quite, quite a lot. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Back at that time, it was enough to process the videos, but now, now it's indeed growing. But by the way, it uh, brings me to the question. You have mentioned that we can ask questions as well. Of course, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> because uh, it was great to have you as a speaker at our platform. And I was wondering what was your experience. And from the speaker's side, uh, what do you think a speaker could gain from, uh, from such an event or uh, how we could improve experience as a speaker? So for me personally, it was the first time I gave a presentation on the Zoom platform. So that was already a huge point of learning for me uh, because I wasn't used to the digital, the digital aspect of everything. Speaking to a webcam was also a bit, you know, at that point in time, a bit like, okay, I'm not actually talking to a person. This is strange. <laughs> so, but like there's someone on the other side, but it just doesn't feel the same. So that, that was difficult. And then of course, getting used to the fact that there's this like big monitor in front of you that's got like your slide on it. And it's very easy without personal feedback to just start talking nonstop, like endlessly about some like small topic inside your slides. So getting the timing down, it had to be a lot more disciplined because we didn't have the big structure of, of let's say, a conference, a live conference that you had to, with a chair and everything. Um, so that, that for me was probably the biggest takeaways when I did the presentation uh, for Fusion EP Talks. Because, I mean, I have done also many presentations since then, and so it's hard to attribute, let's say, particular presentation skills to each particular presentation. Um, but uh, for sure, those two stand out when I think about my experience with the, your platform. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have to say that it was it was a it was a nice experience. It prepared me for, you know, where we are now, where everything is by Zoom almost. <laughs> Which is unfortunate in a way, but also, you know, good to be prepared, right? <laughs> um, so I think on that note, though, unless you have another question, uh, do you have another question? I don't want to cut you short. I think we are reaching about time for, for our episode. So I'd like to give the last you know, few minutes for each of you to promote something. Uh, it could be, of course, something professional or something personal, uh, whatever you want. So we'll start, I guess, with uh, Tobias. Well, um... To promote first i really like i don't know like who's listening maybe you have not started your masters but i really encourage you to look into like the um, fusion masters program um it's currently like done by six universities all over europe and well all of us three here did it so you can see well what happens in the end but also you go like through a lot of hands hand on experience which i really personally enjoyed a lot like really being able to, to be in Catarize, to be able to be in an IPP product. And you can also choose like what, that's maybe a good question. I've mean, never mentioned what, what does Fusion EP mean? It's like Fusion Engineering Physics. And it really focuses on like highlights the two tracks you can do like in this master's program, which is like Fusion Science or Fusion Engineering. So we have like 
these experts and this really small class is usually like it's really really nice nice um, master program have a look into it um website is em-master-fusion.org i'll nice. put a link in the description so perfect, perfect. don't worry about that yeah <laughs> and maybe if you want to read something on it, there's a really nice paper um came out i think like this year yeah like in the beginning of this year um it's called the european master of science in nuclear fusion engineering physics and um, 15 years of experience so maybe you can link it as well it's like really interesting yeah. read if you want okay yeah um, please send me the links and i'll make sure to put it in the description of course great great yes and of course like if you have time and you want to learn something about fusion or like if you want to maybe present yourself your work you have and to try to practice or just to share it um we are happy to have your speaker and for sure as attendee as well so yeah yes and that probably goes without saying that uh, i will also link your your own platform and link <laughs> to your channel and everything in the description i encourage all our all our viewers and listeners to to attend if you have interest in the more technical aspects i think it's really a a nice platform for getting you know getting your feet into the into the water but without being like extremely overwhelming getting washed over by a tsunami or something <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, you, Katia, do you have something you want to promote? Well, I can totally relate to what Tobias has said about uh, Fusion EP Master Program, because personally for me, it was life-changing experience. Uh, it was totally new, not only in sense of uh, learning science, but uh, just uh, life in different countries, meeting people from all over all over the world, learning how to communicate with different people, how to present my work, uh, lots of cultural experience. So it's really worth trying. And I believe that even, even if you will not continue your career in fusion, it will still be very valuable experience. And of course, uh, feel free to attend our Fusion EP Talks uh, channel uh, and I think now it's uh, an issue that uh, most of us we focus on a very narrow field that we work on and sometimes we tend to neglect what other people are doing and I think it's really low pressure opportunity to learn something new uh, without taking too much time too much efforts okay great thank you I, I also wholeheartedly stand behind the fusion EP program big an alumni myself it was a great experience to you know not just learn about plasma physics and fusion but travel around europe and meet people and sort of get the whole get the whole package all in one program so for sure absolutely i agree that uh, these are solid endorsements by your part <laughs> okay well then with that thank you tobias and katia for being guests on today's episode um and uh we'll see you all on the next episode of coffee coffee breakdown bye thank you for having us <laughs> thank you bye bye